Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number one of the Kind of Funny Minnesota podcast. I'm one of your best friends, Alex Weaver, to my immediate left. It's Adam Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, Adam? Oh, I'm doing pretty well this this afternoon. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Excited to be on the podcast. Excited to be starting this. Ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of each and every month, be on the lookout for a new episode of this podcast for all the kind of funny news you can handle. We'll discuss the happenings on the channel. We will discuss the latest in video game news. We'll discuss anything and everything that needs to be discussed. If that's not enough for you, follow us on Twitter at KindOfFunnyMN for all of the daily information you need. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash KindOfFunnyMN. Any donation you can throw our way would be greatly appreciated. If you're not able to donate at this time, it's no big deal. You still have access to all of our content free and clear each and every day. Before we get into the show, some housekeeping for you. Kinda Funny MN's first meetup is coming up fast. Saturday, February 8th, 2020 at 6pm at Dave and Buster's in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Come hang out with myself, come hang out with Adam, and all of your area best friends. Play some games, eat some food, and have a grand old time. We have an awesome podcast for coming up for you today. Our big topic is the Game Awards. Analysis, predictions, Game of the Year breakdowns, we'll have it all. But first, it's our first episode. Adam, who are you? Tell right. us a little bit about yourself. All right, so I am Adam Fitzpatrick. I have loved video games since I was five years old. I was the person that would cry whenever a Nintendo would not, I would not be able to play a Nintendo. So definitely love my video games, mm-hmm. like all sorts of video games. On this show, I'm going to be responsible for community meetups, for organizing event logistics and details and planning, helping plan for the future of Kind of, kind of Funny Minnesota. Um, I started following Kind of Funny, and this is, a, this is actually a hilarious story, kind of weird. So part of my job is that I have to read curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I will sit down for hours at a time with a headset and needing something to listen to while I read through dry, boring material. That sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah. And so when I have to go sit for 38 different curriculums and just seeing like, okay, what uh, what accounting for social justice is there in this curriculum? And that's mm-hmm. what I was doing like late winter, early spring when I was looking for a podcast. I found What's Good Games first because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this looks interesting. So let's get on their podcast. Then I found out one of the hosts, Andrea, was on kind of funny all the time. I'm like, sure. wow, another podcast. And then found out they have a daily podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm very often in my office needing a video game podcast to listen to. There you so go. That's kind of how I fell into the kind of funny podcast. I love their work. It has gotten me through some very analytical and data processing times at work i will be mm-hmm. forever grateful for the kind of funny group mm-hmm. in, in what they do great content humorous guys mm-hmm. love imran's a good addition to the show just i've appreciated what they have done mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah very cool no so uh tell me a little bit about what's the first video game that uh, that you ever played First video game I remember is Mario 3, and I remember mm-hmm. being about four or five years old. My dad had the original NES, mm-hmm. and our uncle lived upstairs from us in like a duplex situation. I remember going upstairs mm-hmm. and seeing my dad play Mario 3, like the, like Mario Brothers 3, and I was sure. like, what is this game? Mm-hmm. And so then just kind of like tried to eventually play along, and I was terrible because I was five. Sure. But <laughs> I remember being at weddings and having a Game Gear in my hand. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like I didn't like people very much as a child, but mm. I liked my game controller. Sure. So if I had a Game Gear, if I had an NES, I was I was pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about uh, what's your favorite game of all time? Favorite game of all time, and that this is kind of shifting. Is it Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. is top notch for me? Will always be in my top five. Mm-hmm. Persona 5 made a run for it last year. Good choice, yeah. And, and so I'm really looking forward to Final Fantasy 7 Remake and Persona 5 Royal coming Yeah, 2020 is shaping up to be a good year for you. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a great year for me. Mm-hmm. Death Stranding has hit some interesting notes for me. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 Remake in a very mm-hmm. unexpected way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm, so 
But going like what has been my favorite game most consistently, Final Fantasy VII. There you go. Love the story. Love the evolution of Cloud as a character. Mm-hmm. Like the Tifa Aerith co-play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, Cloud. Yeah. Love Sid. Sid. Sid just a favorite character. Just a fun guy with a cigarette and a and a lance. Yeah. No. Definitely. You know, as far as like the different renditions of Sid over the years, I think the Final Fantasy VII's uh, rendition. Or take on Sid is, is probably the best one. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Well, welcome to the podcast, Adam. We're super, super happy to have you. A little bit about me. Uh, I've been following uh, Kind of Funny since its inception. I've been following Greg Miller for a long time before that. Uh, I think that uh, I first latched onto him through IGN uh, when, he was, uh, when he was the editor there. And uh, so this was probably, you know, around 2008, something like that. And uh, always been a fan of his content. Always really trusted him uh, when he was uh, when he was a reviewer, and uh, you know, watching and listening to to podcast Beyond. Um, you know, some of my best memories from Beyond. You know, of course, the the PlayStation outage, uh, the Beyond episode where uh, you know, kind of Greg and Colin were both uh, kind of there, and you just kind of impromptu like getting drunk and just like really. Uh, you know, having a good time while the PlayStation outage uh, was going on and just kind of being like, well, what the hell is PlayStation up to? That sort of thing uh, was really, really good. And then, uh, you know, obviously when Kind of Funny uh, became a thing, uh, I, I was a Patreon, you know, like the first day that I heard that it was, uh, that, that it was a thing and uh, just kept, kept continuing from there. So, um, you know, I've been a fan of Kind of Funny uh, from the beginning. Really like what they're doing with uh, with the channel. Really like the direction that they're going. Uh, you know, uh, and I really feel that the best friend thing is super real, and it has the it, it, you know the first time that anybody talked about ooh the best friend thing, I thought how hokey is that right? <laughs> but it's actually and it has every potential to be hokey. I've studied enough cults, I know exactly, <laughs> but the. But it, the reason that it works is because uh, it is meant so genuinely by the people who uh, conceived of the concept in the first place. It's not just lip service. It's actually real. And so uh, the idea that you have people that are out you know, in San Francisco or wherever they may be um, that invite you so much into their lives that you kind of, you know, you would go to a meetup, right? And you instantly have, uh, you know, a books and books of, of things to talk about with people that you've never actually met in person uh, and have never actually spoken a word to. But you have all these things in common and have this background, this common history is something that's really real and something that's really special in my opinion. And so uh, moving forward... Uh, you know that's the the con- the conceit of this podcast, and the thing that we're trying to do here is bring some of that into uh, the local atmosphere here in the Twin Cities and and in Minneapolis and and in Minnesota in general, uh, and to just give people that feeling of community, not only with kind of funny, but also here locally. Uh, so a little bit more about me: the first video game I ever played uh, was uh, Super Mario One. I remember uh, getting the uh, Nintendo uh, sort of bundle with uh, Super Mario slash Duck Hunt, the Nintendo console, and then the Power Pad, which is kind of like the predecessor to DDR. It was like this mat that you would run on or pretend to run on. That was the track. That was the, the, the track and track field. Yeah, yep. and it never worked right. And all you had to do was kind of like shuffle your feet around, and then like you would. That was the only way to win. Uh, it never worked right, but it was fun to to play for our family. But uh, in terms of my favorite video game, Final Fantasy VII is definitely up there. Final Fantasy VI is also up there. But for me, the game that uh, surpasses them all is The Last of Us. Love The Last of Us. Cannot get enough of The Last of Us. Um, one uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my uh, most proud platinum trophies that I have is the platinum for The Last of Us. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you what, uh, grounded mode, super difficult, obviously. Super happy that I was able to clear that. Um, but the thing that really tests your patience, and Greg Miller would would uh, would attest to this, I think, because he does not have the platinum. And the thing that broke him uh, was the online component, oh, because it is rather extensive, and it's 
the online is enjoyable. It's not enjoyable enough to like make a career out of, I guess, if you if, if you know what I mean. And so because of that, um, you know, a lot of people fall away from getting the platinum in that. But um, you know, but I but I did it. I did it, and I almost have the platinum on the the remastered edition. I just need to get. Uh, the online stuff, but uh, I do have the platinum in Persona Five. So for me too, uh, I'm really looking forward to the Royal and uh, seeing kind of what the differences between uh, the regular, you know, Persona uh, Five Vanilla and Persona Five the Royal are going to be. Really disappointed that they haven't made the decision to bring Persona Five to Switch. That to me seems like a game changer in the sort of way that bringing Persona Four Golden uh, to uh, the Vita was a big deal and and really introduced a lot of people to that particular game. So really disappointed in that. Hopefully that they'll see the light. Um, But uh, in terms of a great kind of funny memory for me, uh, my favorite kind of funny memory, man, there are a lot to choose from. Uh, But to me, it all has to do with, uh, with the extra life live streams, the 24-hour live streams. Yeah. Uh, this past 24-hour live stream, I don't know if you caught any of that, but it was uh, it was insane. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but really, uh, to me, the best kind of fun- funny moment was actually from the Extra Life live stream in 2018. And uh, it was when, I mean, to be fair, Greg had, had a lot to drink. Tim had, had a lot to drink. Everybody had a lot to drink. But really that heartfelt moment where they just, you know, kind of were like, you know, you guys mean so much to us and, you know, kind of like like had a really real moment. Uh, other uh, with and just with the audience and just being like, you know, how much uh, their lives were changed by us. Because, you know, it's so often that we uh, that we feel or that we forget, right, that uh not only are they changing our lives, but we're changing their lives. And that's that's a good reminder. Other really cool moments that I like. Uh, I really like the Avengers circle that uh, the Avengers uh, circle around that they did in, in KFL 3 uh, when they introduced Andre Renee, when they introduced, uh, you know, kind of the rest of the team and did the Avengers fly, the Avengers fly around. I just think that that was the coolest thing. Uh, there are a lot of cool moments that happen at the kind of funny, kind of funny live stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been to any of the kind of funny live things, but uh, hopefully that will change. Hopefully that will change as long as they do a kind of funny live for, which I hope they will. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move on a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about what we're, uh, what we're playing currently. And uh, Adam, uh, you know what's our, what are some of the games that are on your plate at the moment? All right, and so some of the games that are on we're going to be discussing later in the show, like the controls, the Resident Evil 2s, mm-hmm. Death Stranding. I'll cover those when we get that far. I want to take this segment and talk about the indie indies and games that are not necessarily connected to the game awards that I've been playing. Slay the Spire, I love this game. Mm-hmm. Slay the Spire, for those that don't know, is a card-based dungeon crawler roguelike game so mm-hmm. you you learn by dying mm-hmm. and you start with a deck of 10 cards with like various strikes and defends and then you eventually try to climb up the ladder by getting better cards and then you try to kill the monster and the goal of the game is to slay the spire and cut the heart mm-hmm. of the spire i love this game i don't know why because it's just a simple game i mash a couple buttons and i can have something else on in the background i'm not thinking very much about it mm-hmm. but i really like slay the spire that's taken up a fair amount of my time in just the in- introductory in-betweens and just times where my partner wants to watch tv mm-hmm. i have it on on the on the xbox pc because i did the three-month game pass for pc beta mm-hmm. so slay the spire is one of the games on there i've looked at Hol- hollow knight oxen free isn't it amazing kind of what the xbox game pass has meant to indie games and to discovering a bunch of games that you never would have picked up in, no. ever because I wouldn't have paid 20, 30 bucks for all any or all of these games, but for a dollar for three months, I'm like, yep, I will yeah. check all of these games out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm really impressed with Slay the Spire. I've been playing a bit of Dead Cells. Dead Cells, I like a lot more than I would because that's a very punishing roguelike mm-hmm. where you learn by dying, and that's not normally my type of game, but Dead Cells just has me in a loop that I like mm-hmm. where you're getting items, you're getting powers, you're starting off with better powers when you start on the map. Really great game. Mm-hmm. Diablo 3, just got it for Switch a little while ago. 
I am a huge fan of Diablo 3. I wanted to get the Necromancer class and see what that was about. Mm-hmm. Had some friends that played on Switch and that I thought had it, so I picked that up just to hope to connect with them. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of the Necromancer. Necromancer is such a fun class to just spawn like 10, 15 ghoul zombies and just run people over with them. Sure. I've really enjoyed Diablo 3. Dragon Quest 11s. I love the Dragon Quest series. Played 7, 8 on DS. Played some of the earlier ones, the 1s, the 2s, the 3s on PC. Dragon Quest XI-S is a masterpiece Mm -hmm. in terms of how they have brought the history of Dragon Quest into one package. I really appreciate that game. I'm about 75 hours in. I'm just about done. I've got to level up a little bit before taking on the final boss. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, Alex, what have you been playing? Man, you know, so you talked a little bit about Diablo 3. I myself have gotten onto the Diablo 3, like, kick. And it happens, like, once every year or so. Where it's just like, I'm sitting around and I just have to play some D3. And I don't know what it is about that game. But it, it's it's not like the campaign is super compelling. It's not like... Uh, you know, the single player is anything special, but there's just something about that gameplay loop that it's distilled so perfectly into kind of the, you know, kill mobs, get loot, get up grades, up the difficulty, rinse and repeat. There's something that they've purified that gameplay loop so much that you know exactly what you're in for. And it's not so much about the gameplay as it is about just the upgrade and about the loop, which is, um, like I say, I haven't experienced such a distilled game experience uh, in any other game. So uh, Diablo 3, really, really enjoying that game. Uh, Also playing a little bit of Jedi Fallen Order, which we'll discuss. Playing Resident Evil 2 Remake again, we'll discuss that. Um, But uh, yeah, Diablo 3 has been kind of like on my mind quite a bit. in addition to kind of, you know, the games that are uh, Game of the Year contenders. So um, that's a little bit about what I'm playing uh, right about now. Like I say, the Diablo uh, the Diablo kick is, is strong with me. You know what I mean? Uh, but, Did you get uh, up to Torment 14 yet? Oh, man. I, Lord. Uh, Torment 14 has been passed like a long time ago. But, you know, that's the thing about uh, Diablo is that, you know, you go it goes in seasons. Right, so you may you know play a lot of it, and if you're playing a seasonal character, uh, you know all your progress from that season is put aside, and it's like great job, and here's your you can play it in non-seasonal form. But every single time a new season begins, it's like you're starting over, and it, as is literally everybody else in the world, and so you can have that experience, that experience of starting over again, which I really appreciate. Uh, also. I'm, uh, you know, I every year I replay a Final Fantasy game, and uh, this year it's Final Fantasy VIII because you know it was just recently uh, re-released on PlayStation Four, and so uh, that game is an interesting one. It's not one of my favorites, um, but I do appreciate, and we'll talk a little bit about this later as well. But I do appreciate when when uh, games try to do something. A little bit different, you know, try to change the formula a little bit. And Final Fantasy VIII was the first Final Fantasy, I think, that really uh, took a big risk in terms of what their formula was, and that was obviously with the draw system. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that they succeeded, uh, like, in making it a completely revolutionary experience or a better experience, anyway. Um, but uh, but I do appreciate that they tried. Um, I appreciate the updated graphics from Final Fantasy VII. I don't think that it's as strong a game overall as Final Fantasy VII, but I like it just fine. It's a good uh, game uh, for you know Final Fantasy enthusiasts, but definitely not one that I would recommend as like this is the first Final Fantasy that you should play anything like that. Yeah. And I have that discussion with my partner too because she she'll often look in at games like would I like this game like. If I'm going to start you on a Final Fantasy game, I'm going to start you on 9 or I'm going to start you on 7. Yeah. Yeah, 9, 7 or 6 would be uh would be my would be my suggestions. And I have, I have, to, I have to finish 6. I've got a copy of 6. Oh, yeah, I haven't finished 6. No. Oh my god. Well, okay, no spoilers, but finish 6, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the game awards because uh, the way the we're releasing this podcast 
at a time where the Game Awards are just around the corner, uh, and we have a bunch of different nominees. We have some uh, games that weren't nominated that maybe should have been nominated. But uh, just in general, what do we think about um, you know kind of the job that the Game Awards did overall uh, regarding nominations or regarding just putting the show together before they uh, before the Game Awards is actually not gone? I think. So far, like I went and did the personal voting this this morning because I wanted to check out, like, to see how many categories they had. It's thorough. It is a very thorough list of categories that they have that you can vote for, and they cover a wide range of games between PC and Xbox and Switch mm-hmm. and and PS4. Mm-hmm. I really am excited for Thursday. Like Thursday will be, I will be watching a stream of it happening because mm-hmm. I want to see who wins. Yeah. If we have a little bet at the end, deciding like who, <laughs> if, which one of us will win when we pick our game of the year piece, mm-hmm. I want to be watching for that. I want to sure. see what reveals they have if. They they have a new DLC character for Smash. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because not only are, you know, traditionally there are a bunch of reveals at the Game Awards. Obviously, last year, the big reveal, in my opinion, from the Game Awards was the reveal of Joker in Smash. Um, but additionally, we have a state of play that's coming uh, a couple of days before the Game Awards. So the question is, you know, what are we going to see? I know Barrett is uh, really, really high on the idea that uh, there's going to be a new Batman game announced, which I think is distinctly in the realm of possibility. But we're definitely going to see some exciting reveals, uh, probably for at both the State of Play and uh, at the Game Awards. One thing that I think that we're going to see is at least some sort of expanded trailer for The Last of Us 2, Mm -hmm. which I'm super excited about. I love, obviously, I've already discussed how much I love The Last of Us and how in I am for that game cannot be overstated. So I'm really excited about that. Um, But yeah, I think that overall the Game Awards have been uh, some of the better content that we've had. There's been a lot of discussion about like, oh, well, is the Game Awards... um, you know, like, does it make sense to have the Game Awards uh, in the year that we're celebrating versus having it, like, in January or whatever? And my answer to that would be it's not optimal, but, you know, the realities of putting a show together and putting it, uh, and, you know, the realities of when sponsors might want or be interested in uh, sponsoring your show, you know, you got to make some concessions to that sort of thing. But uh, we'll discuss that in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Game of the Year itself. We have a few different uh, nominees. Those are Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. Let's begin with Control, what we thought of that game. And uh, I guess uh, my big question, what did you think of Control? I really enjoyed Control in many aspects. There were a few technical things where I'm like, come on, game. This Mm -hmm. is a 2019 game. Please don't do this to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Some of the checkpointing could have been a little better. I Currently, in my file, I'm stuck on a checkpoint right now, right before a a boss fight, and just cannot Mm -hmm. get over that boss fight. I think I died about six times and raged quite the last time I played. Mm -hmm. Um, Things I love about Control... I love when you can do a strong female character and she is not a sexual object. Like she is a person that commands respect in that in the bureau in that game. Mm-hmm. And she is really strong at what she does. She's good at her job. She knows and she's stoic. Playing a stoic character is hard. I know as I have a rather stoic personality myself. Mm-hmm. And playing a stoic character on a screen is hard because a, you don't see how the how the character's reacting because the character's not reacting emotionally very often. Mm-hmm. And then they, there's this inner dialogue going on in Jesse's head throughout much of the game. And so that's just done really well. Like the story, I like the world design mm-hmm. and how the house like shifts and changes. I'm excited for the DLC. I will be buying the DLC. Mm-hmm. Want the tech, some of the technical pieces to be better though. The map glitch is the weirdest thing I've had in that game where I'm trying to like, look through the map and it's just not showing up on my screen where I press the up button I see the outline but I and the room names but I don't see the map itself and I'm like why mm-hmm. why does that happen but Alex your thoughts on control yeah I you know for me I think uh, I, I, I agree with you for the most part um, 
this is one of those games where I ref- I said before when I discussed Final Fantasy VIII that I really appreciate when t- when a team makes uh, decisions and makes uh, takes risks with a game and that they release a game that's not formulaic and that certainly describes Control. However, it does seem like there are a bunch of or a bunch. It may be too strong a word, but uh, that there are some. Uh, glitches and there are some imperfections in the game that uh, that make that 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 bring it down for me just a little bit. Additionally, for me, I you know it might just be me, but like I don't necessarily find the setting of control or like the the conceit of control to be all that compelling. Uh, but that's you know personal preference. It's not like a critical sort of thing. My question to you is: Do you think that control has a chance of winning this game of the year? I don't think so. I think it would be a game that gets like third or fourth. Looking at this list of games, I see it as like getting third or fourth on a lot of people's lists. I don't see it getting first place on many people's list. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see it getting last place on a lot of people's list. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it getting enough like positive momentum to become game of the year. No. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and it's not a slide against Control at all. I think that Control is a great game. But when you just add in uh, sort of the technical glitches... Uh, and uh, sort of the imperfections uh, of control, and especially in against the competition this year, I just don't think that it has enough to uh, compel enough people uh, to pull the trigger on control. So, um, but what about uh, Death Stranding? Now, you mentioned this is one of your favorite games of all time. Yeah. Um, go take why why so, take the floor. <laughs> pre- preface this a little bit i studied philosophy in undergraduate school and in graduate school so i like heady material where i have to think a lot and i'm interacting with strange realities in the world i love the narrative of death stranding and the story it is trying trying to tell through the characters i think the acting is superb Mm -hmm. i've seen very few games where the voice acting and then how that matches the animation of the characters on screen done as well as that game does it Mm -hmm. i also in death stranding the gameplay loop it catches me it has caught me and it it seems like it shouldn't given that you're just carrying around materials and doing fetch quests, it is basically a game of fetch quests. Yeah, it is. a fe- it, it, like, It's fetch quest the game, right? It's fetch quest the game. So it's like, okay, why is this hooking on me so much? And some of it's the story, some of it's the characters. Mm-hmm. And that each chapter highlights a relationship with a particular character. I wish those were interwoven a little better. It does feel a little fragmented at times. Mm-hmm. However, I think this is... When I'm thinking game of the year, this has a high possibility of getting game of the year for me because of how precise and it shows us what can be in video games. I think Death Mm -hmm. Stranding is a good first attempt at a futuristic look at a video game where we have the best of voice acting and actors coming into the fold, where we have high level animation, we have next level storytelling. I The story, I, I couldn't write anything this good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, Death Stranding is Kojima unleashed. Kojima distilled down to his essence, both in terms of like the things that he does well and in terms of the criticisms that have been leveled against his games in the past. Death Stranding, for me, is a game that is obtuse. It is needlessly complicated it is um, borderline uncontrollable at times. It is incredibly frustrating. It is esoteric. It is wonderful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's that, and and it is Kojima's talk about a game that takes risks, right? Kojima is asking us to think about gaming in an entirely different way that we uh, than we think about gaming right now. Right, and he's trying to take today's world, right, which is fragmented beyond belief and is contentious beyond belief, and he's trying to get us to rethink the way that we not only that we play games, but that we approach our lives in the way that he uh, asks us to help out other players that are playing the game alongside us, and so for me. His ask of that is, is something that only he could do, right? And his execution is something that only he can execute in this particular way. 
The production values of this game are unbelievable, and they are beyond anything that any of these other games on the list have, right? The polish of the game is superb. But for me, the way in which he asks us to rethink our lives um, is the risk that um, it, it, it is the risk of the game. And for me, if you buy into it, right, there is no question that this is your game of the year. If you don't buy into it, there's no question that it's not even going to be on your top 50 because of the way that the game is constructed and the way that the game is so intentionally obtuse and frustrating. If you don't buy into the meta, you're never going to be able, you're, you're going to rage quit. And you're never going to be able to appreciate it. And that's okay. But for me, and, and just thinking about whether this game is a chance to win Game of the Year, I don't think it does. Because there are going to be people out there, there are going to be critics that buy into this game, and the meta, mm -hmm. and what Kojima is asking of its players. And there are going to be people that do not. And so in a game that in, in a game of the year competition that is derived by the voting of critics, it's too divisive, in my opinion, for it to win. Now, I could be wrong and everybody could land on the same side. But from my experience and from reading game criticisms and from sort of, you know, looking at Metacritic, everything like that, it is a divisive game. And there are pe enough people out there that don't buy into what the game is asking that um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to it not standing as good of a shot as some of the other games on the list. What do you think? It's going to depend on what is the ratio between American votes and world votes. Because one thing I also noticed when looking at Death Stranding reviews is that people around the globe actually review Death Stranding better than American sources for the most part. Now, there are a lot of American game critics that vote in this award. Mm -hmm. I still think Death Stranding has a shot at Game of the Year. Mm -hmm. I think it's between that and Resident Evil 2 Remake is kind of what I'm looking at for the two games of the year. Because I think Death Stranding, if there are enough international voices in there, I think those might propel it over the top for Game of the Year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you mentioned Resident Evil 2. Let's talk about that game for a little bit. And uh, what do you think, just overall, about Resident Evil 2? You have played probably far more than I have of Resident Evil. I know you've played quite a bit. Why don't you start yeah. on this one? So Resident Evil 2, for me, is... Uh, when it came out in 1996, it's one of the formative games of my existence as a gamer. Like It was extremely important to me at the time. It's still important to me. I would you know, play Resident Evil 2 every once in a while on you know the Vita or whatever. Um PlayStation, the, the classic stuff. Um, this remake is everything that you could have imagined from a remake and more. Um, it is polished beyond belief. The voice acting is well done. The production values are extremely good. The way that they sort of took uh, what was you know the the tank controls and kind of the frustration of the uh, the frustration of the tank controls and and uh, put it into a new battle system, a new combat system that's completely redesigned from the ground up and given it, uh, it really gives the game new life. And the way that they have taken um, a game that was intricately detailed and redesigned it in a way that is faithful to the original, but at the same time which grows and expands and makes it, uh, you know, makes it its own game uh, is astounding. Absolutely astounding. There's never been a remake that's been better than uh, Resident Evil 2. And uh, in addition to that, they even sort of co-opted in, uh, you know, they out-nemesis Resident Evil 3's nemesis in the addition of Mr. X. And the way that Mr. X uh, sort of followed you around uh, the police station, followed you through doors, you know, did the whole thing, you know, that lent a new element of uh, kind of that, uh, you know, chase horror feel, vibe, whatever, that existed in Resident Evil 2, but not to the same extent. It's a completely new dynamic for the game, and to me, it's extremely effective. 
Uh, for me, this is my game of the year. Uh, there's no question about it. And the reason it is the game of the year, in my opinion, is uh, because it uh, checks all the boxes, essentially. It is The production value is extremely high. The, gr- the level of gl- glitches or graphical errors is extremely low. Uh, it is universally loved. Uh, there is no... I have not seen any criticism out there uh, that from sources that I trust and respect that say anything other than this is a great game. And I think that the, the, the thing is, would this be a Game of the Year candidate in other years? Would this have been a Game of the Year candidate uh, last year? Or will this be a, would this be a Game of the Year candidate next year? The answer is no. Right, last year was an extremely strong year for gaming. This is not as strong of a game as as uh, Red Dead Redemption Two or God of War. There's, I don't think any debate about that. But the year in which it was released, this year, 2019, there's no question in my mind that this is the game of the year. I think that, especially coming off of 2018, we were so uh, we we played it in January of 2019. We had just come off of 2018 and the, the amazing year of gaming that was. And we were all expecting, okay, well, this is a great game, but something's going to knock it off at some point. Never happened, right? The games that we suspected that, were, that may knock Resident Evil 2 off the platform, Days Gone came, didn't knock it off the platform. Death Stranding came. For some knocked it off, but not for me. And uh, not for, you know, a significant percentage of the populace out there. Um, you know, there are other games that have come out that come close, but I just don't think that anybody has been managed to knock Resident Evil 2 off of that platform, and so for me, it's the game of the year. What about you? I really like Resident Evil 2, and I knew how hyped you were for Resident Evil 2, so I went last night and played some extra Resident Evil 2. Played, because what happened in my first playthrough is Leon, I played Leon A, Mm. I was terrible, I got myself (laughs) cornered and didn't have enough medicine, I had to start over. Start over as Claire, Claire with Claire A playthrough did much better. Mm-hmm. Game was much more enjoyable when I'm not basically scrounging for every last health item I can get because I failed at the beginning part uh-huh. to preserve sure. my med- preserve my meds. Sure, I like this game a lot more. I did not grow up on Resident Evil Two. It was a game that I got on the N64 years later after it came out. Mm-hmm. I think they I. Don't know if they got rid of the tank controls on the 64 version. I don't remember that offhand, but I haven't played that in years. But I really liked Resident Evil 2 when I got the chance to play it, even though it was years later. Mm-hmm. This remake is polished. This yeah. remake is art. Mm-hmm. And in a way that I didn't think a Resident Evil game that has like a horror feel could be art. Mm-hmm. It could be cinematic and engaging mm-hmm. and not just... horrors of zombies like days gone days gone is just oh i see a horde of zombies i need to either run or high enough level i kill them Mm -hmm. i every encounter can kill me yep in resident evil 2 in fact every encounter did i was doing great (laughs) i was doing great last night and then died to two random zombies on the stairs because i wasn't paying attention for like two seconds yep Mm -hmm. and that's the thing um about resident evil 2's remake Uh, you know there it one of the things that Resident Evil does so well, in my opinion, is that at the beginning, when you're scrounging for resources, when you don't have very power, powerful weaponry, you're scared about what's coming around every corner, right? And so it it fulfills its role as a horror game in that respect, in the same way that, you know, an Outlast would, or in the same way that, you know, some of the other games of that sort would, um, in that like you could die at any moment but once you sort of progress through the game you get uh, you know more powerful items more powerful weapons and suddenly the tables turn right and you are the powerful one and no it's no longer a horror game but rather it fulfills the power fantasy of you like mowing down uh you know zombies and resident evil 2's remake it does such a fine job of maintaining that dynamic, but also turning it on its head with Mr. X, who cannot be killed. And so you're simultaneously fulfilling the power fantasy of, of you know, stomping through a police station with, like, these giant guns, but at the same time, there's one guy that if it's him that comes around the corner, then you're put back in your place. And it's just so interesting to me. Uh, yeah. No question in my mind. This is this is uh, this is game of the year for me. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, there are other there are other nominations. There are other nominees. What do you do? You think that Resident Evil is going to win Game of the Year? Uh, is I, it? Yeah. What do you I, think? Does I, it have a shot? I think it's Death Stranding or Resident Evil Two, mm-hmm. and I think in many ways because of the divisiveness of Death Strandings, it is Resident Evil Two's to lose. Mm-hmm. I still want to see Death Stranding. Sure, sure, pull, sure, sure. I want to see Death Stranding pull through. I think it's so unique and so original in what it's trying to do. And I like seeing new IP win in these things. We have a lot of games that are like on a yearly or, a, or every other year cycle of they're going to come out with a new installment of this game and it's going to be incrementally different but not necessarily reshape the franchise. I think RE2, what that does is it reshapes the entire franchise in a unique way I didn't think. Mm-hmm. But Death Stranding is just completely new. And so I like seeing... I would like to see that win. That's the only thing that I think could could stop Resident Evil Two, is a, a, a significant percentage of voters saying, "Do we really want a remake to win Game of the Year?" And if the answer to that is no, then obviously, like it's not going to win. But just on its own merits, whether it's a new IP or an old IP, this is to me the most universally praised game of the year. And for that reason, I think that it needs to win. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter to me that it's a remake. It doesn't matter that it's not an original IP. I understand where you're coming from on Mm -hmm. that, and I agree that we should reward original IPs. But at the same time, based on the merits, I think that this is it. All right, let's talk a little bit about Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. What do you think about the game? I... Souls Combat instantly turns me off just mm. because until recently I haven't liked the learn by dying genre particularly because I've just started to have more time playing games mm-hmm. in my life. Past few years before this I had jobs that were like 50-60 hour a week jobs, a lot of evenings, a lot of weekends, mm. and I didn't have as much gaming time after I like hung out with my partner to actually want to spend time with her sure. and various other pieces like that. So I have not done much with Sekiro. Mm -hmm. However, I like the polish. I like the combat. In terms of, for people that like that, I get why it's an appeal. I also like the samurai setting. Mm. I think the samurai setting is important when thinking about, okay, the soulless combat at least makes a little bit of sense. Mm -hmm. However... Not my game of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it captures enough hearts and minds. I don't. I think it loses out on the narrative piece because there's not a ton of narrative to really drive that story. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts? I'm- yeah, for me, Sekiro is one of those games that it's like it's uh, strong, strong game, does a lot of things well. Uh, not my game of the year. And for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Souls combat, like you say, it's not like it's super. Uh, it's not a. It's not a turn on for me. It's kind of like the opposite. So that's kind of like a minus in its in its category. Uh, I think that graphically, it's very good. I don't think that it reaches the level of a Death Stranding. I don't think it reaches the level of Resident Evil Two. I think uh, in terms of story and narrative, it's all right. Nothing really super remarkable there. Uh, so, like, it's it's a classic example of very good game. Very good game. Definitely deserves to be in this discussion, but it's not a contender to actually win for me. Let's talk a bit, little bit about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is a game, to me, that if everybody in the world were a Smash fan, there is no doubt in my mind that this would win Game of the Year. Its polish is... Typical of what you would expect about Nintendo. It's revolutionary in a lot of different ways. The idea that they are bringing in so many different characters from outside of the Mario universe is astounding. Um, The sort of conceit of everyone is here is something that... I mean... You know, Marvel vs. Capcom, you know, you know that sort of stuff. Like, there have been crossover games in the past, but this is a crossover between literally everybody. And it's just such an amazing feat. It's such an amazing accomplishment uh, that it certainly deserves to be on the nomination list. What do you think? I think Sakurai deserves a lot of credit for getting 
a fighting game as high polish as Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on the game of the year list. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't ever think I'd see a fighting game on there. Was really surprised when the awards came out and then it was like, "Oh, that's a fighting game." Mm-hmm. And it is not and again, it is eligible because it came out in December of last year, so after the game awards. So right. just for listeners that might not be aware of that, I like Smash Brothers Ultimate. I'm not a big fighting game guy. Had to it used to be when I was younger. I really liked Street Fighter 2. I just kind of fell out when I don't have the 10 hours a day to sit at home and play a fighting game. Right. But I want to check this out. I want to continue checking this out. I love the DLC pieces they add with the different fighters and how they advertise that and how that becomes just like a big thing and they get the theme, the stage theme and different music. Joker was the big thing at this at the awards event last year. I'm excited to see what character might be revealed at the Game Awards this year. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a possibility of the fifth fighter being revealed at the Game Awards. That would be outstanding. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. This has a... Uh, this is my long shot pick mm-hmm. to win Game of the Year. It'll be a few people's favorite game. It'll be a lot of people's second or third on this list. And again, it won't be last. It won't be dead last. Mm -hmm. And so this is the dark horse pick. That was the word I was looking for. The Mm -hmm. dark horse pick to win game of the year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I'd find myself saying that. Mm -hmm. But I I watch the game footage. I see videos. I'm just impressed. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. There's no question that it is as polished of a game as any game that's on this list. For me, it's not a contender. Uh, I love Super Smash Brothers, but fighting games just don't win this award. They just don't. And I think that even Tim Geddes, right? Even Tim Geddes would say, this game has no shot. And, uh, you know, it pains me to say that, but uh, I don't think that it's a contender. And the other thing, too, is that um, beyond like the whole idea of fighting games just don't win this thing, the other problem is that it it's iterative. You know, it doesn't innovate. The controls are not different. And some arguments, and there is an argument to be made that it doesn't need to innovate because it's perfect, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But at the same time, like, if you're rewarding innovation in the field, right, then... You're not going to be able then. Then you're not going to be able to give uh, give this award to Smash uh, Ultimate as much as I love it. But Smash Ultimate, you would say, has to win Best Fighting Game. Oh yeah, there's no question. Absolutely no question. It's going to run away with that category for sure. But that's kind of where it belongs. I feel. What about the Outer Worlds? The last nominee. What do you think? So picked up the Xbox Game Pass for PC to play Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. I played it. I'm interested. I don't think it has any shot to win Game of the Year. Interesting. I think the story's great. It just feels like Fallout New Vegas. Mm-hmm. And you can fly on different you can fly on different planets, but it doesn't seem iteratively different. Mm-hmm. The way you level up, pretty similar you pick a skill trait, you level up the skill trait, it levels up a few sub skills. That's pretty unique and pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's enough substantively different about the Outer Worlds to say, oh, this really caught my attention or this really had the hook on me. Like, Death Stranding had the ho- has the hooks in me, still has the hooks in me. Mm-hmm. I could put another 50, 60 hours in that game easy. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other games that I think are snubs that we'll talk about later that I'm like, had the hooks in me, could still see myself putting another 50, 60 hours in. Mm-hmm. Outer Worlds, I could see myself beating that in 20, 30 hours and just being done. I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, Outer Worlds is... I've heard the criticism of it's Fallout done right, but I actually liked Fallout 4, so like that doesn't necessarily resonate with me. For me, uh, you know, Outer Worlds is very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it is at the same level as some of the other games that are on the list. And so, for me, very fine game. Not a contender for me. And, you know, if it were to win, I'd be impressed. But I just, I personally can't see it. So that's kind of where I'm at on the Outer Worlds. 
In terms of, uh, so so, who do you think ultimately is going to win? What are we What are we betting on this? <laughs> what are we betting on this? First off, I want to know what the stakes are. All right. Well, I will bet you one large pizza that uh, Resident Evil Two is going to win this thing. All right. I'll take that because I'll go one large pizza that Death Stranding is going to win this thing. All right. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. It is a one pizza bet on Game of the Year, and I'm looking forward to my pizza on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about games that did not appear on this list. Are there any games that you think uh, may uh, have deserved a spot on this list uh, that uh, that didn't make the cut? There's three games I want to talk about here that I wish would get a little more publicity or love. Mm-hmm. One is Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. I, re- I heard about this game very briefly somewhere on some podcast. Mm-hmm. Then check the game out because like, I have a Steam account that I'll check, that, check games like that out. I love this game. Disco mm-hmm. Elysium is awesome. Disco Elysium puts you in this realm of like a detective RPG and you have to figure out all the clues about what's going on in your situation and you start with very little memory. I am so impressed with Disco Elysium. I wish I would see a little more love. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it gets up to Game of the Year discussion. Came out relatively recently. PC is a weird audience to get into reviewers' hands. But Disco Elysium, love this game. Mm Mm-hmm other two picks that i'm like okay this might be more of a legitimate snub fire emblem three houses yep that's the big one i think fire emblem three houses it's in the category for best strategy game Mm -hmm. i think it takes that category category hands down like every game on there good good decent games i like my strategy genre pretty well aware of that i pick fire emblem hands down which pained me because i loved wargroove as much as i did too mm-hmm. wargroove is a great game on that list but fire emblem three houses the story is intricate it's three different games you get three very different experiences based on the house you're in there's not many games on this list that are 200 hours of entertainment mm-hmm. and that the story is entrancing enough that i want to go play another 50 60 hours and i've already done one complete run through and there are other two houses. So I did, I did House Blue, Team Team Dimitri. But Claude, Claude's story is very interesting, especially looking at the second half of that game. Mm-hmm. And then Edelgard. Mm-hmm. Like, want to know how both of those stories interact and being in that front line and being able to say, all right, this is what's going on from this perspective. I am thoroughly impressed with Fire Emblem. Wish that that's a snub for me. That that's a legitimate. That needs to be in this discussion for game of the year. It's mm-hmm. in my discussion for personal best game of the year. Mm-hmm. And then Dragon Quest Eleven S mm-hmm. got. And I don't know if people get weird remake takes in some of these categories. It didn't really apply to Resident Evil Two, but I wasn't. I wanted to see Dragon Quest Eleven S on there. There are a few games that get. DLC slash remake treatment where they improve the quality of life of the system so much mm-hmm. that it makes the game just that much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It like all of the weird quirky things like you could only use the fun size forge at a fire in a campsite mm-hmm. and you couldn't use it in the field, you couldn't use it in town. You had to use it in these like very specific locations. They streamlined that. They give you like a command window that actually accesses like your main commands that you use over and over again instead of having to dig through several different menus. How much they streamline that, the ticking tin edition, where you get to review the history of Dragon Quest by going through different different dungeons and he- seeing different stories and how that plays into the ticking tin characters. That was such a cute addition. Mm-hmm. And I love cute editions. Cute mm-hmm. editions are nice. It brings different audiences into the game. This is a game that I could give to people I would work in churches with for like ten year old, like ten year olds. Mm-hmm. I could give this to my partner to play, and she would she would enjoy it. And she doesn't like the some of the intensity and some of the other other games on the list. Mm-hmm. This is just an all around good game. I would like to see that somewhere in the Game Awards discussions, and they didn't really have much for Dragon Quest XI S here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, there's only one game that uh, that that uh, deserves to be talked about, 
and that's Jedi Fallen Order. Um, this is a game that came out. Uh, it was really, really unfortunate timing with regard to the Game Awards. That's not the Game Awards' fault that uh, it was released with like only the the week before, uh, and nobody got a chance to play it or uh, play it enough to nominate it. Uh, but it deserves to be in the discussion for sure. And the reason that it deserves to be in the discussion is because it it nails the Star Wars feel. And we've been waiting for a Star Wars game for an extremely long time that nails that Star Wars feel. And uh, so, you know, it, it nail it, for the first time, it really feels like you're a Jedi. You know, it nails lightsaber combat in a way that no game ever has, which is unbelievable. It's like, finally, right? I remember playing... You know, uh, you know, Dark Forces Two back in the day, uh, Jedi Knight, uh, Dark Forces uh, Jedi Knight, and uh, just lightsaber combat there was just sort of waving your sword at people and them falling over. Right? That's not what this is. This is this is deliberate. This is uh, well paced combat, um, and it, you know, the Soul System is here again, which I'm not a huge fan of, but at least it's not as punishing as the Soul series is. Um, but at the same time. Just like Sekiro, right? The deliberate fighting style of like you know lights. It turns lightsaber combat into uh, a chess match, right? Where if they do this, then you do that, and then if you do this, then they'll do that. That sort of thing, and that is really intriguing and really cool. Um, if this were in the game of the year conversation for me, uh, it would not win, uh, but it does deserve to be talked about. It wouldn't win because it's very glitchy. Uh, it wouldn't win because it takes, um, it imitates a lot of games and a lot of the things that other games do well, but it doesn't do it as well as any of those other games. So it's kind of derivative in that sense. And if you're going to be derivative, then whatever you're doing, you better be not broken. You know what I mean? And this game in some places is broken. So for me, Definitely deserves to be spoken about. Definitely not uh, a, a contender to win. But it needs to be in the conversation. So that's a little bit about uh, the Game Awards. And uh, so my only question to you then, after having talked about all these games, uh, it seems pretty clear what your Game of the Year, your personal Game of the Year is. Uh, but, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what uh, what you think. And I am struggling between two. Mm-hmm. Death Stranding and Fire Emblem Three Heroes. Interesting. Because reason is Fire Emblem is a lot like a lot of the games I have played. Played a lot of the Dragon Quest, played a lot of the Final Fantasies, played a lot of the Shimagami Tensei franchise on the DS and the Persona series on the PlayStation. That turn-based strategic style of combat, I really like that. And then Death Stranding is just this thing. Mm-hmm. And it hits cooperative multiplayer in a way that I didn't think it would ever happen mm-hmm. in, a, in a video game. I really like the road building pieces where you have to like work together with other people to gather materials to rebuild roads. And then your game is like 100 times easier mm-hmm. to rebuild the roads in Death Stranding. So I'm torn between the two. When I think about replay value, and I think this is what breaks the tie because both games are polished. Both games have great narratives. Both games use moral choices and moral situations in an intriguing way where you have to think about your own life in the mm-hmm. midst of it. I think the tiebreaker comes to replay value. Okay. With Death Stranding, I could only see myself playing through it once, especially because if I were to play it two, three years later, there's not going to be as many people playing the cooperative multiplayer parts to rebuild the roads because I would end up on a different server when I reload a new file and then have to rebuild all the pieces. And if there's not enough people on there, that's going to become a real pain to do the, to do that, all the quests and all the fetch quests to get all the materials that you need. Mm-hmm. I could play Fire Emblem three, three Houses for another 160 hours and mm-hmm. I would be bought in, ready to go. So my game of the year is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Wow, excellent. It's not what uh, not what I was expecting. Uh, for me, it's Resident Evil 2. And there's it's it's not particularly close. Uh, and the reason is just because it does everything well. It may not be the most polished. Uh, that, I would say, is probably Death Stranding. But it is extremely polished. 
it may not control the best. For me, that's probably Super Smash Brothers, but it controls extremely well. Uh, you know, it checks off all the boxes for me, and the thing that it does for me is it recaptures that original Resident Evil 2 experience and expands upon it in such a way that it turns it into a completely different experience, one that is better in every single way than the original was. And the original was one of the greatest games of all time. So it's like, how can this not be? you know, game of the year. And I love the ambiance of Resident Evil 2. Like, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 has an ambiance that I appreciated in the original and I really like in the remake. And mm-hmm. even just how, like, you can, like, even skin tone mm-hmm. in the Resident Evil 2, it's like, it's just so crisp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm playing on a full, on an Ultra HD TV, so I can, ha- I can get, like, high-level resolution, but I'm, I'm, you're, it's a good, it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about 2020. What games are you looking forward to? It's going to be a big year. There's a lot of games to talk about. There's a lot of candidates. Give me some of the things that uh, you're looking forward to next year. I am going to be very poor in 2020 is what I know <laughs> offhand. Sure. So let's go month by month just from what we know of right now. January, Tokyo Mirage Sessions for the Switch is coming out. It was a Wii U port I missed it on the Wii U because I didn't have one. I want to pick this game up on Switch. It's got an interesting rhythm slash turn-based combat system. It has artwork similar to the Persona 5 series. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to that game in January. February was going to be my Last of Us month. Like, Mm -hmm. Last of Us, my brother-in-law was going to buy it. He was going to play it, play through it. And then I was going to borrow the copy and trade him, like, God of War or something to that effect. Mm Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to Last of Us when that comes out in May. Mm-hmm. I was looking forward to Watch Dogs Legion. I think what they're doing is so unique in terms of every character's playable and not really necessarily integral to the story, but they're not separate from it either. I want to see how that comes out and plays. Final Fantasy VII Remake has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. It is on pre-order. I've already got the deluxe edition pre-ordered. I cannot justify the $300 expense to my partner for the collector's edition, but I definitely got the deluxe edition. I got most of the pieces, most of the intricate collectibles on there. I will love that game. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a game I'm hoping to sink 200 hours into. I will be taking off work mm-hmm. when that game comes out. Mm-hmm. Coworkers and my partner both already know about know that's happening <laughs> they both laugh at me a little bit but um cyberpunk i'm not sure on that's going to be a wait and see for me mm-hmm. um i know speaking for my partner animal crossing is the game she's looking forward to next year sure. animal crossing is going to be huge mm-hmm. um and then i want to see what indies come along i mean this is a good year where we had slay the spire we had disco elysium we had like Hollow Knight had an expansion of some sort and just a lot of good indie games that were in development that would normally be considered like a mid-tier game, but a lot of just good little 10, 15-hour games. So mm-hmm. there's, there's so much I'm looking forward to next year. Yeah, yeah. for me, the discussion begins with Final Fantasy VII's remake. Um, like that game is just so um, important to me, uh, the original and that is why I looked upon the remake with a lot of trepidation when we first uh, when when it was first announced, especially with Square Enix's recent history. Um, well, not the most recent history, but with its history over the past you know decade or so, it's not super great. You know, uh, Final Fantasy thirteen uh, and and the saga and the sequels to that were a big mess. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that uh, that Square has tried with this franchise that. Uh, I personally don't appreciate, um, but uh, you know they're making all the right moves, and for them to make all the right moves uh, in the development of a game that is so important and with such a troubled developmental history of this game, um, for them to for for them to be putting out a game that is this strong, to me it's unbelievable. After uh, Final Fantasy VII, you know Cyberpunk. I personally am really looking forward to Cyberpunk. I'm looking forward, but I'm looking forward to it based on the pedigree of CD Projekt Red. Uh, you know, their um, their work on The Witcher is second to none. 
Uh, it's an amazing, amazing game. It's one of the most important games of all time. And it seems like Cyberpunk is sort of going to be following right in, right in the footsteps there. So based on the pedigree of the developer, uh, I am super in on Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, and then, of course, uh, The Last of Us 2. Uh, the Last of Us uh, is my favorite game of all time. Uh, I expect The Last of Us 2 to be right there with it. Uh, the the amount of work that has gone into this game and just based on the things that we've already seen uh, it's uh, it's unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable and the idea that Neil Druckmann and his developmental team Troy Baker Ashley Johnson and the rest of them uh, the idea that they would put out something that is not a ten out of ten is unfathomable to me so. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be done with Final Fantasy VII by the time uh, Last of Us 2 comes out. Um, but uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in 2020. you got to give a shout-out to Persona 5 Royal, though. Oh, now, yeah. now that that has a release date at the end of March, yeah, I'm really excited for Persona 5 Royal. I'm all... My, my March, I'm going to be dropping, like, 250 <laughs> bucks on video games. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to do some budgeting. We're gonna have to do some pretty good budgeting. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the kind of funny MN podcast. Thank you so much for listening, Eric. Pretty good podcast. What do you think? I appreciated the podcast. I think we did pretty well there, Alex. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. Where can people find you if uh, people are interested in? Uh, subscribing to you or anything like that all right so if people are looking for my content i am at twitch.tv slash what could being be so what could being be now what is what what what's the deal with that i'm a philosophy nerd yeah so i really like looking at the question of existence and what it means so what the goal of the channel is going to be is that we're going to look at hero arcs and character development in video games and how that can tell us about our own lives and how we might participate in the social change that can happen in our world. Mm -hmm. Because when you're playing a game with a story, you have a hero that ends up in some small town or village. They learn about the world. They learn about what's wrong with the world. And then they come up with ways to deal with the systemic problems of the world and make it better. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we have lessons that we can learn in a lot of the favorite video games that we all play. And I want to explore those themes in the channel. So it's going to be a very thought-provoking channel. Wow, that sounds really, really interesting. So that's uh, twitch.tv slash whatcouldbeingbe. Is yeah, that correct? That is correct. Cool. And the same address on Twitter, except you lose the last E. Because Twitter, give me 16 characters, please. I don't know why I only can have 15 what characters. a bunch of jerks. So just what could being be with just the letter B instead of B-E for B. Got it. And for me, you can always find me at, at @kindaalex on Twitter or uh, on twitch.tv slash kindaalex. I'm there too. Uh, you can follow the channel at uh, kind of uh, on Twitter at kindoffunnymn. Please remember to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash kindoffunnymn. Please mark your calendars for Saturday, February 8th, 2020. That is our first meetup at Dave & Buster's in Maple Grove. And ladies and gentlemen, until next time, KFAF for streamies. (laughs) 